Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. I've been preaching on marriage, and those who know me best will tell you that I always tend to lean toward the ladies, and I'm always nicer to them than I am the guys. And uh, so after doing that all these years, I decided, well, maybe I ought to just be a little stronger, a little tougher on the ladies when we talk about changing your man. I got mixed emotions, to be honest with you. That's you know what mixed emotions represent. That's when you see your mother-in-law going over the cliff in your new car. That's mixed emotions. But marriage is nature's way of keeping people from fighting with strangers. Somebody said marriage is like flies on a screen door. On one side, they're trying to get in. On the other side, they're trying to get out. Somebody sent me some rules, and let me just quickly give you some of them. The female always makes the rules. The rules are subject to change without notice. No male can possibly know all the rules. If the female suspects the male knows all the rules, she must immediately change the rules. The female is never wrong. If it appears the female is wrong, it is because of a flagrant misunderstanding caused by something the male said or did. If rule six applies, the male must apologize immediately for causing the misunderstanding. At whatever stage you apologize to your wife, the same response. You waited too long. The female can change her mind at any time. The male must never change his mind without the express written consent of the female. The female has every right to be angry or upset at any time. The male must remain calm at all times unless the female wants him to be upset or angry. The female must, under no circumstances, let the male know whether she wants him to be upset or angry. The male is expected to read the mind of the female at all times under all circumstances. And then I'll just read one more. It makes me a little nervous. Any attempt to document the rules could result in bodily harm. <laughs> well, it's out there now. Behind every great man is a woman. Uh, we know that. Uh, I, I can imagine uh, Michelangelo, who is painting the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, and 80 feet below him is a woman saying, you missed a spot, buddy. You missed a spot. Why did God make man before woman? Two reasons. Number one, he didn't want any advice on how to make man. Second reason God made man first is he wanted to tell at least one story without being interrupted. <laughs> you know, even computers are female. It's a female world. You sit down at it and try to talk to it, and something always goes wrong, and it's a nitpicking thing. And only the creator understands its internal logic. And even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory to be retrieved at any time. 
And as soon as you make a commitment to one, you'll find yourself spending half your paycheck on accessories for it. So women are like computers. Uh, Lee was, uh, the other evening, Lee was knitting while I was reading the paper. And she said, uh, why don't you read to me while I knit? I said, I got a better idea. Why don't you knit to me while I read? I asked Lee if she'd still love me when I got old and gray and flabby. She said, I do. (laughs) Women have a way with words. But this is kind of a sad story. Um, A lady awoke in the middle of the night to realize that her husband was not in the bed. And so she immediately got up and she went down and she found him in the kitchen, sitting at the kitchen table, drinking a cup of coffee, And she saw tears on his cheeks. And so she said, honey, what's wrong? He said, well, I just, I'm sitting here thinking. He said, do you remember when we got married 20 years ago? She said, sure I do. He said, you remember when we started dating? You were just 16. She said, yeah, I remember. He said, do you remember when your daddy caught us in the back seat of the car? She kind of slid down in her seat a little bit and said, yes, I remember. He said, do you remember when, she held a, when he held a shotgun to my face and said, you'll marry this girl or I'll put you in prison for 20 years? She said, yeah. Tears started coming down. He said, I just got thinking about it. Today, I would be a free man. Brings a tear to the eye, doesn't it? <laughs> we, uh, for six weeks, are talking about marriage, and this series is for those who are married, those who want to be married, and for those who are sorry they're married. We've got something in it for everybody. Men ask, how can I fix my woman? Women ask, how can I change my man? And those two questions represent the most common mistake that we make in marriage. Women say, how can I change my man so he wants less sex and more romance, less sports and more shopping, less TV and more conversation, less recliner time and more kitchen time? How can I change my man? You see, women think that they can improve anything and especially their men. So they criticize and they They nag and they whine because they're trying to improve him. They're trying to change him. Unfortunately, it seems that that you're trying to make a male version of yourselves. Don't expect your husband to be your girlfriend. Women shop, men don't. I don't trust a man who likes to shop. Women cry. Men seldom cry. Women talk feelings. Men had rather eat dirt than to talk feelings. Men make lousy girlfriends, but they make wonderful partners. So, so I would say stop trying to turn your man into a woman and give up expecting things from him that he simply cannot deliver. 
because men and women are so different. You know, I've been going to the, I went to the YMCA for years and then now to the wellness center. And day after day, I'm in there in what's called a steam room with other men. Now, we're talking now over 20 years of this. And in all of those years, not one time have I been sitting there when a man started tearing up and saying, let me tell you what's going on in my life. I've not ever heard a conversation at all about feelings or about marriage or about things at home. You know what you know what men do? I mean, you're sitting there in the steam room, and when a guy comes in, he will say, it's up to 37 degrees. That's all he says. He has to dispense that information. Next guy comes in, stock market's back up over 10,000, and then he's through. He's done. He just had to give, give that information. Then he sits down, and he's quiet. He doesn't say a word. So, so much of what I've learned from men is just sitting there in the steam room realizing that men are just men and they don't talk feelings and they especially don't talk feelings to strangers. But a woman marries a man expecting that he will change, expecting that somehow she can change him into a better version. That's what you were seeing on the skit. But ladies, you have to learn what kind of animal you brought home. You can't knowingly bring home an elephant and expect it to get up in your lap and purr. (laughs) You merit a man, and a man is what you got. It was Adam and Eve God created. It was not Eve and Edna. It was not Adam and Arnold. It was Adam and Eve, a man and a woman. Same-sex marriage is unnatural, it is unscriptural, and it is unacceptable. (laughs) Ladies, you need to go to school on men in general and go to school on your husband in particular. The truth is you can't change your man. You can't change anybody. And the harder you try to change your man, the more you will get resentment and rebellion. The only thing that you can do is change yourself. You can change you and then hope that he responds to those changes that you're making. Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy, said, my responsibility is to love Billy. It's God's responsibility to change him. I found that when it comes to understanding men, women are woefully ignorant. But that ignorance is only exceeded by a man's ignorance of a woman. We don't understand each other very well. How can a man live with a woman 25 years and still be woman dumb? How can you live with a man 25 years and still be man-dumb? Of course, women are complex. What do women really want? Nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody. What do men really want? 
food, sex, and no nagging. How hard is that? You see, men are simple. They're not complex. They're straightforward. And the key to understanding the man in your life is to, is to become familiar with a male ego. It is very fragile. It is huge. But it's the master key to understanding your man. And you can wound his ego and crush and close his spirit more quickly than any other person on the face of the earth. Because he cares about what you think about him. He really craves your acceptance and your affirmation and your approval. I want to give you some critical mistakes that a woman can make with her man. Number one, she acts like a mother and treats her man like a child. Stand up straight. Don't slouch. Wash your hands. Get a napkin. Eat your broccoli. No, you can't go play with your friends. You're going to stay home and help me with the house. No TV tonight. We got other things that have to be done. Don't mother your man. I was speaking at a seminar with ladies, and I, and I just said, do you really want to mother your man? One lady raised her hand. I said, you want to mother your man? She said, I thought you said smother your man. <laughs> Second critical mistake. She acts like a little girl and uses manipulation to get what she wants. Whining, crying, nagging. Ladies, look at me. Don't nag ever. Don't ever do it. All of this nitpicking and nagging and criticizing that, that men get routinely from their wives is unacceptable and it's unscriptural. It is not your birthright. It is not in your DNA. It is not a virtue. Well, I know because you talk a lot, you're prone to, to slip into that and you want to improve him, and you, but give it up. There's a big difference between complaining and informing or between criticizing and reminding, and you know those differences. But my hint to you is keep your mouth buttoned over things that simply do not matter, and you can have a lot happier marriage. You know, men are, are very vulnerable when it comes to their wives. They're very vulnerable to a critical wife because... Men are born of woman, and they're raised by a woman and nurtured by a woman. They yearn for that love and respect and admiration of the woman in their life. And that makes them very vulnerable to your criticism, to your moods, to your dissatisfaction, to your rejections. And you need to know that. I want to give you a quote of Dr. Laura and uh, if if uh, you men want to do something really bold, buy this book for your wife. Uh, and then I dare you to read the book as a wife. It's the proper care and feeding of husbands. And here's a counselor who's been counseling for years, and now she's a radio talk show, and, and uh, she gets all this correspondence from men. 
But here's what she said. The universal complaint of men who emailed my website with their opinions was that their wives criticized, complained, nagged, rarely complimented or expressed appreciation, are difficult to satisfy, and basically not as nice to them as they would be to a stranger ringing the doorbell at 3 a.m. One of your own said that, ladies. That's the reason I put up that in the quotes, because I didn't want to be held responsible for that statement. Dr. Laura said that. It's in her book. Check it out. But I'll tell you something else, somebody else who said it, the wisest man to ever live, Solomon. In Proverbs 19, and the nagging of a wife is an endless dripping. Could I get a witness? In Proverbs 21, it is better to live in the corner of an attic than with a crabby woman in a lovely home. Say what you mean, Solomon. But then he goes on. He says, now that I think about it, in verse 19, it is better to dwell in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. That's the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon. Listen to me. You may not believe this, but I'm telling you it's so. A man's greatest desire is for his wife to be happy. And the cruelest thing you can do to your husband is to refuse to be happy. And I use the word refuse because happiness is a choice. Happiness has more to do with attitude than it does with reality. But every man wants a happy wife. And he feels better about himself and about life if his wife is happy. And he'll do almost anything to try to help her to be happy. Number three, critical mistakes. She talks about her man behind his back to her girlfriends. Now, this is a major no-no. Do you know where most women violate their marital vows? Is it in no-tell motel? Is it in somebody's bed? Is it on the internet in a chat room? No. The three common places where women violate their vows, number one, the beauty salon. Number two, the grocery store. Number three, women's Bible studies. I told you I was taking my life in my own hands coming out here and doing this. Notice how everything gets quiet and it's just me and the women right now. But you see, something as wonderful as a Bible study can deteriorate and it becomes a time where you talk about men. You're there to talk about Scripture, not about Steve, not your husband. And when, if it ever gets back to him, he is devastated by that. Men hate for their wives to talk about them behind their backs. They hate that. Because of their egos, their sensitive egos, because they're private, because they feel violated if you've talked about private stuff behind the back to friends. So be careful. Anytime you want to talk about your husband to somebody else, get his 
permission. Get his permission. Number four, she expects her man to read her mind. You see, you assume that a man reads minds and body languages and expressions like you do. He does not. You see, women birth babies, and they know every movement, every expression, every sound of that baby. They become incredibly good at reading body language. But men are not good at it. Men are on a different frequency. Men usually do not get it. They're clueless. 90% of the time when a, when a man turns to his woman and says, what is wrong? He doesn't know. And what do you say? I'm not going to tell you because you should know. I'm telling you, he doesn't know. And then you make it worse. Well, if you loved me, you'd know. What does that have to do with it? The man is clueless. He doesn't have a desi- one clue as to why you're upset. He doesn't know. And he doesn't read the body language very well, but he, he, now it's gotten stronger and stronger, so he knows something's wrong. So what does the man finally do? He wants to know a couple of things. He wants to know, have I done something to hurt your feelings? What does a woman say? Immediately she lies. No. Have I done something wrong? No. The man says, good. He's through. He goes out and she starts crying. I mean, she's just in basket case. Ladies, we're not mind readers. The guy doesn't more. He's totally confused now because he didn't know what was wrong. You wouldn't tell him. And then when he pressed the issue, you lied to him. And then when he believed you, your lies, then you got madder at him. You're pretty complex, aren't you? So understand when a man, see, men are straightforward. If he's done something, tell him he's done something. Tell him what he's done and tell him what he's got to do to get it fixed. He understands that. Number five, she fails to show appreciation for what he does do. Granted, men don't do a lot of things they should do. But when they do something, let them know that they've done something. That liberal feminist, uh, Gloria Steinem, said that women need men like a fish needs a bicycle. Well, there's been a trickle-down effect of the feminist movement, and there are many men who feel like they're about as needed as a fish needs a bicycle. And that's sad. So men crave to be appreciated. And when there is not that appreciation, but instead pointing out all of his mistakes, then he struggles as a person. And it does seem that no matter what he does, it's not going to be right. And so he closes his spirit, and he's wounded in the process. So my hint to you is show appreciation for what he does no matter how small it is. And try to give him a lot more positive strokes than negative input. Number six, she tries to make him talk 
when he wants to be quiet. Remember last week we talked about women are a bowl of spaghetti and they talk in a spiral and uh, they just, you know, just jump all around and, and uh, they just talk to, uh, they don't know where they're headed until it just kind of bubbles to the surface. Where men talk in a straight line and, and men are waffles. So you see boxes and, and lines. And so I think what women don't realize is that men usually have one issue in that box and they want to talk with one issue at a time. If a man says he wants to talk to you about the finances, guess what he wants to talk to you about? The finances. And when you stop jumping all around in all these different boxes, he gets overwhelmed by that because he, he wants to concentrate on one thing. Remember, you, you use both sides of your brain easily. He just works out of that left side. So he takes one issue at a time. He, but, but you need to know this. He has some boxes that are empty. Nobody's home. And that's a plan. He wants to be quiet. He wants to just sit there and mull. Women mouth. A man wants to mull. He wants to sit there and just in the quietness. Sit there. And what do you do? You come to him and say, what are you thinking about? He can't win at this point (laughs) because he's going to say nothing and she's going to get immediately suspicious. You just won't tell me. You you know, you're thinking about something. You just won't tell me. He is thinking about nothing. (laughs) The box is empty. Nobody's home. (laughs) Give him that space. Let him be alone in his silence. It's one way he regroups. And then if you, you know, it's, it's amazing how that, that a woman with a, uh, who is a verbal person will marry a nonverbal person. It's the opposite to track. So we got a verbal person who marries a nonverbal person and then spends her life trying to get her nonverbal person to be verbal. Well, let me give you an example. What if I said to my precious wife, Lee, who is very verbal, and I'm the quiet one, I say to Lee, we're going to this social event, and I want you to say nothing. I don't want you to talk to anybody. I want you to sit there beside me and not open your mouth. I don't want you to ask people how they're doing. I don't want you to ask them about their family. I don't want you to ask them about their kids. I don't want you to say squat, nothing. Just sit there and be quiet the whole evening. Do you know what? She wouldn't want to go. She wouldn't want to go to me with any social function like that. She would be 100% miserable because she has to talk. She loves people. She's energized by people. She sees people. She's going to start talking. And yet, she'll say something to me like, 
Now, we go to this party tonight. Are you going to talk? I mean, you're not just going to sit there, are you? Hello, that's not fair. It's not fair for me to make her not talk. It's not fair for her to make me talk. See, so we just have to understand that we're opposites and we can't make the other person into another version of who we are. Now, she unloads on her man at the door, number seven. The man, man was talking to the man and he said, do you know what it's like to, to come home and, and get a little appreciation, a little affirmation, a little love? The guy said, yeah, I mean, I'm at the wrong house. <laughs> well, a lot of times when men get home from work, they are basically out of words and they are looking to find maybe just an empty box that they can just park in for a little bit. But their wife meets them at the door and maybe she's been home all day long with short people and he's the first tall person she's found. And she has about fifteen or 20,000 words left. So when he walks in that door, she just, you know, tells him everything about her day, not only what happened, but how she felt about what happened. Or she meets him at the door, and she is so frustrated by the time he gets there, I'm glad you're here. You go take care of your kids. (laughs) Well, welcome home. (laughs) What I'm saying, ladies, is just give him five minutes. What would be wrong with saying a word of praise? I'm so glad you're home. Give him a kiss and let him have about five minutes to adjust from his day at work to the home environment. And it'll make a major difference. You know, the Bible is our ultimate marriage manual. And your assignment from God is not to change your man, but to love him unconditionally, to respect him, to follow his leadership, to minister to him. In 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 through 5, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so at so that Satan will not tempt you because of a lack of self-control. Now, I just looked at my watch and realized that I've finished my introduction and my time is gone. So I'm going to decide between now and next week, will I finish it and will you have the courage to come back? Or will I just move on to my next topic? So I'm going to have to decide that uh, uh, between now and next Sunday. But uh, I was going to, the first thing that I was, which may help you decide whether or not to stay home next Sunday. No, I won't tell you that. No, no. (laughs) But I'm just going to give you some simple things that, just a handful of simple things that you could do for your husband that would make a major difference 
in the happiness of your home and things that won't cost you anything but will make incredible differences. You know, the, some, some man compared men to a horse. A horse like it's in the movies. And if you scream at that horse, if you, if you put down that horse, if you beat that horse, the horse is going to soon buck and rebel. But if you will love that horse, remember the movie The Horse Whisperer? And you will be gentle with that horse. And you will talk to that horse in lo loving terms. There come a time that that horse would run until his heart exploded for you. His love for you. And I think that's, that is a, an, an analogy for men. Because if, if you would just let your man be a man and celebrate the differences, he is opposite from you. That was God's plan. And loving for who he is. And don't try to change him into being anybody else. And don't compare him with anybody else's husband. Because no man wins in that comparison. But just love him. And give yourself to being the best wife you can possibly be. And try to do two or three things this week to let him know that you love him. And that he's special. And I'm telling you, there's a great quote in Dr. Laura's book from a man. And, and I love the quote because it said, good men are hard to find, but not to keep. Good men are hard to find, and they are, but not hard to keep. If you've got a good man, you don't have to do a lot to keep him. He's simple. His needs are simple. Food, sex, and no nagging. Simple. But if you would just meet his needs and love him unconditionally... And treat him like he is your hero. Respect him. Affirm him. You will find him melting like butter at your feet. Willing to do anything. Willing to work for you and run for you until his heart explodes. If he just knows that you love him. And if he believes that he is helping make you happy. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry.